Welcome in to another episode of Think Deeper. I'm your co-host, Will Harib, joined by Joe and Jack Wilkie. Uh, we are really excited about the episode that we have today. We didn't think of an adjective for it. Um, I'm going to say we have a – have we done needed? A needed episode? A challenging, See, I think challenging said, episode. Uh, he said necessary. Yeah, necessary, but I thought about it afterwards. It means the other episodes aren't necessary. <laughs> True, exactly. <laughs> the the implication there is not great. We'll say a challenge. That was more necessary. Here. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Um, before we get into the episode, we wanted to shout out the deep thinkers on coming through for us on our, on our reviews. Um, we got a few one stars back to back, and so I think it was either last episode or the episode before that we implored our deep thinkers to to leave us a, a five star rating and leave us a review. And man, y'all came through. We I think we've had six or seven, and so we we very much appreciate it. Again, it's not just that we want the five stars; we really do appreciate the feedback. We appreciate hearing, you know, the episode topics that you guys like to hear and the the aspects of of the show that you guys enjoy. So. As always, thank you for, for the feedback, whether it be on the podcast app in the form of, of a review or whether it be on Facebook, YouTube, wherever. Um, so, uh, again, thank you very much for that. Uh, real quick, again, before we get going, I want to push two things that happen to be on YouTube. Um, we've been talking about how we are doing our Think Fasts, our short little 10 to 15 minute segment reacting to some kind of news event. Every Thursday night at 7 o'clock, we're doing those on Facebook Live, but those are also going to, they, they are actually now on YouTube. Uh, so the ones that I think we've had four that we've done, those are all on YouTube. So uh, if you can't catch it at 7 o'clock on a Thursday night, uh, you can always go back to YouTube and watch those. Uh, and then wanted to uh, mention again the Godly Young Men podcast. Those episodes are still coming out every Tuesday uh, morning. I think we're on, I think episode 7 is going to be dropping tomorrow. Um, and so check that out on YouTube or on the podcast app. But guys... That's enough uh, promotional stuff. Anything else you guys have to add before we get into the episode topic for today? So today we're talking about evangelism. It's one of those things that we are 60 episodes in now or so, and, and we touched on evangelism a bit with the Church Reset series and things, but we haven't yet devoted a whole episode to evangelism, and so we felt like it was time. We felt like this is something that we need to talk about. It's something that Christians need to um need to understand that we need to hear about and so jack i'm actually going to hand it off to you to kind of get us into at least the direction for the episode what all we're going to cover uh for this episode topic of evangelism yeah it, i mean you're right we've we've kind of held off on it and it's one of those that i think we're in the same place as a lot of christians that man we need to talk about this we need to do it but it's hard i'm not good at it and so like who am i to talk about it and i think that's going to be kind of the posture of this of like we're not good at it uh, we're not uh, I, speaking for myself, at least, you know, and and that there needs to be work done here, but it's important enough to make sure the work gets done. Um, not the biggest fan of Charles Spurgeon, uh, a lot of what he believed and taught, but he has some great quotes on evangelism, and one of them is, "If sinners be damned, at least let them leap to hell over our dead bodies, and if they perish, let them perish with our arms wrapped about their knees, imploring them to stay. If hell must be filled." Let it be filled in the teeth of our exertions, and let not one go unwarned and unprayed for. Uh, I mean, just a powerful imagery of, man, we've got to put up the biggest defense on the goal line of hell as possible, of making sure to make sure everyone's told. And so with that in mind, with that idea of we're going to do whatever it takes, even if it is difficult, 
we're going to walk through some of the, the challenges, some of the excuses, some of the uh, necessary things, some of the ideas, maybe tips or, or methods and things like that. But I, we want to finish with a challenge. We want this to be kind of the official Think Deeper Evangelism Challenge. I think we're going to name the episode something like that. And we really, we're going to pray about it. We're going to challenge you guys to pray about it. We want, and and in a sense, expect baptism contacts, church invites, things like that to come from this episode. Because one of the worst things that we can do as Christians, but one of the things we are very good at doing is talking about the evangelism, uh, the need for evangelism. Talking about, oh, the Great Commission, let's go out, you know, uh, preach the gospel to, to every nation, and all of those things, and it's great. And then we go home and we don't talk to anybody until next Sunday, and then we remind ourselves, hey, we need to do this. So we're not going to let it be that. We're not going to leave it within this episode. We're going to really try and make this a practical thing that extends beyond the podcast. The other thing, too, that because I have been the one that, and I know you guys have echoed this, that has come on the podcast before and talked about the idea of overemphasizing evangelism. And by that, I mean, it, I think we overemphasize the baptism part of it and we leave the discipleship, we leave the, you know, helping them remain faithful. We kind of let that go by the wayside. It becomes all about putting them, in, getting them in the water, padding baptism numbers and things like that. And, you know, that's something that we have to keep the keep the proper perspective on. That's something we have to understand. But what we're going to be the way we're going to be approaching at it, uh, the way we're going to be approaching it from this for this episode and from this point of view is basically the initial contact. You know, the idea that you know you need to go out and talk to people. How do you start that conversation? The thing that Jack said that we all struggle with, and we readily admit that is is that first step that's often the hardest time, or that's often the hardest. And so I want to encourage everybody listening. Wherever you think, if if you take a self diagnosis for wherever you at in your wherever you are in your evangelism, as far as man, I'm really good at talking to people. I'm really good at talking about the Bible, but man, after that, you know, when it comes to trying to keep them faithful and, and encouraging them, I'm not that good at it. This is an all encompassing issue that we have to to understand every bit every bit of it's important. But the focus for this episode is going to be on again, kind of that initial contact, how we go out, how we talk to people. What are the challenges with that? So Joe, I don't know if you want to go ahead and get us into kind of this first question, which is why is it so hard? Why is this something that a lot of Christians struggle with because because of the difficulty? Sure. I think in the culture controversy is really starting to come to the forefront. We see this in any online battle, Facebook, Twitter, wherever you are, you're starting to see Truth itself and scripture and the gospel is controversial, way more than probably it has been in the history of America. And so you're we're having to deal with the difficulty of a changing world. And it may have been very easy to invite your neighbor to church or, or to um you know, to to reach over the fence and just kind of say, Hey, we got a gospel meeting coming up and yeah, they might take you up on it because they're probably Baptists and and they'll just come check it out. That used to be the way that you could evangelize. You used to be able to talk about these things. Now we're dealing with issues that we just have not really dealt with before. And we're dealing with um, the LGBTQ things and such. And so when we consider, and, and abortion, I guess, and I could go on and on about all the different things that we now accept, evangelism is now pushing like the taboo for a lot of people, pushing very controversial things. And we have to now understand how to navigate those things, which can be difficult. In the job situation, you might it might be an HR violation now, right? If you're going to um, if you're going to push the gospel in the workplace, or um, you might end up alienating some of your family members instead of well, yeah, I know he's a Christian. Now it's 
you have to be all in on this, and I think people are, but when it comes to, yeah, I might actually lose this relationship. I might actually lose my job. The persecution, the changing world, all of that has come in, if that makes sense. Yeah, we did uh, one of the Think Fasts on the He Gets Us Jesus commercials that were on the Super Bowl. And, I mean, we criticized how they were presenting the most watered-down, friendly, non-threatening Jesus possible. And even that, uh, I think it was Representative Ocasio-Cortez, AOC, tweeted something about, you know, fascism on the television because they put just the name Jesus on there like they're calling that fascism and so this is the climate we're in we're talking about inviting somebody to church telling somebody about the Bible telling somebody about Jesus is it's going to be classed as fascism even if you don't get to the threatening or the challenging the the judging parts of the Bible and so that's just the world we live in it is a very different place and so there's that there's it's a very personal thing you know, they always say there's the things you don't talk about with people are politics and religion because it's it's personal to, to everybody themselves. Well, it is personal, but the judgment isn't personal. I, I mean, the, the, the final day where you're going to answer to God, we want to make that our business. We want to make that our, because, you know, it's not the are we our brother's keeper thing. We are. We, we have this duty to go out and tell people about Jesus, about the gospel, about salvation, about heaven and, and forgiveness and everything that we have to offer. And so those difficulties are very real, though. There is there is a risk when we do that. The other thing is, this is one for me, I have such a hard time moving beyond small talk to important talk. I can talk to you about the, the football game all day, still mad about the Super Bowl. We're recording a couple days later. Will and I could probably go back and forth. Uh, he was happy with the result. I don't think we were. We'll do a Think Deeper um, exclusive for that. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> um, you know, but the weather, we can always talk about, man, it's been cold, it's been rainy, it's been whatever, you know, like just things like that. But when it comes to the personal, when it comes to the impactful, the things that matter in life, those are hard to talk about with people. And we live in a society where, especially face-to-face, in-person, we like we, we don't do that anymore. You might put your beliefs online where you're behind a screen, but as far as like just sitting across the table from somebody, it's really hard to progress a conversation toward, well, what about your life? Where do you stand? Well, I think the reason for that is because so often those type of conversations can grow uncomfortable, and we don't like being in uncomfortable situations. We don't like being in, in uncomfortable conversations, and you know I think there's a bit of the the fear of rejection that comes into this as well. If, especially if this is somebody that maybe you're not super close to, maybe it's an acquaintance, maybe it's somebody you work with, you know, somebody that you interact with fairly regularly, but you wouldn't consider yourself close to them. There is that fear of, man, I could make this situation really, really uncomfortable. And because we as humans typically tend to run towards comfort, I think far too often we can just kind of push that aside and say, I I, I can get to that later. I can evangelize later. And that is another thing that I would add to this is I think sometimes we feel like we have all the time in the world. That Again, let's say you work with somebody or let's say say it's, it's even closer than that. It's an extended family member. We can tend to just think, I, I'll get to that later on. Not not this Christmas, not this family reunion, not this Thanksgiving. I don't really want to stir the pot. Let me let me let me get my stuff together and I'll do that next time. And then that next time just keeps getting pushed backwards further and further and further. Because again, 
we don't want to be uncomfortable. And so, again, this is not something that I'm trying to lecture anybody because this is something I struggle with. You know, I'd, like Jack said, the, the comfortable conversations about the latest movies or sports or whatever it is, they're, they're more enjoyable to discuss than this person might get very upset with me. This person, this conversation might go south really quickly. This person might reject me. We might get really uncomfortable, whatever it is. And you name the reason, I think that is another factor into why this is such a struggle for many Christians. I want to add the other side of that. I don't like being uncomfortable, but I really don't like feeling like I made the other person uncomfortable. Sure. So like start a apologizing. Oh, sure. Oh, yeah, you, you don't have to answer that, or don't worry about it right now, or whatever. But you look at Jesus with the woman at the well. You know, she's asking, well, we worship here, you worship there, huh? What about who's right? And he's just like, well, we are. You guys worship wrong. <laughs> right. And then uh, the thing about, you know. Let that one go, sink in. He says, go call your husband, right? And that, you know, brings that about where he says, yeah, I know you don't have one. You've had five. And, I, like, talk about broaching the uncomfortable. And you see the apostles in Acts do the same thing, just asking questions, driving, uh, like, difficult things, and leaving it out there for the other person to respond, leaving it out there to say, hey, I just gave you the truth. You wrestle with that man, I don't like making people uncomfortable like that. Evangelism at a certain point reaches that that level where that has to happen. It doesn't happen, you know, on, on day one, you don't walk up to somebody and, you know, hi, I'm Jack, you know, throw something at them that's going to trip them up. But you do have to reach that point. And man, I'm really uncomfortable at that point. And so my uncomfort being uncomfortable, they're being uncomfortable. We just would, we try and keep everything at a, a very peaceful level. And that's not very good. But these but are the reasons why it's well. These I, are the reasons why it's hard. This is what starts floating into excuses where we're going next. But go ahead, Joe. Well, I was just going to say you consider the prophets. Every single time God has called somebody to go speak, it's always been uncomfortable. There's Jeremiah's been there's been resistance every time. Yeah, there's been resistance. It's awkward for the other people. Imagine being the prophets: Isaiah, Ezekiel, Jeremiah. You know the major prophets, even oh, the minor David, ones. Oh, David, they're going. Nathan with the the sheep parable. Yes. Yeah. You walk up to the king, you're the man, like, you talk about awkward, you talk about uncomfortable, you're addressing the king who could put you to death on the spot if he doesn't like the message, and God goes, hey, doesn't matter, you're going to go do it. Yeah, Jeremiah, nobody's going to listen to you, that's not really the point. I mean, these are difficult and uncomfortable things, and this goes all the way back to the beginning of the judges and everything else of God calling somebody, he calls Moses. Moses was extremely uncomfortable. He obviously gives him Aaron to help him out, but... All of this is uncomfortable. Asking the apostles to go is very uncomfortable. So we are averse to, to discomfort, especially to making the other person uncomfortable. That has been baked into the evangelism process since literally the beginning of time. And that's, I think, part of the point is it requires faith. But we're going to get to that because I do want to get into well, the I think transition. That's, it's great you brought up Moses because Exodus 3 and 4 at the burning bush it was a stream of excuses, right? Yeah, nothing but excuses. Well, yeah. I, I don't know what to say. I have, who am I? They're not going to listen to me. I'm not good at speaking. You know, what, why were they believe me anyway? Just one after the other. And that's where we're going next with this is we have these excuses. And one I run into a lot is people just don't care anymore. People don't want to know about Jesus. People, That's just not true. I mean, they might, you might have think about hostile to it. Think about the logical implication of that. That people don't care. You're basically selling, saying that the gospel isn't relevant to the world anymore. If 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 then that's over, right? If that's your position, yeah. Jesus, just come back now because nobody else is listening. Like right. there's nobody left. If there were one person left, it would be our job, all of us, to go hunt them down and find that person. And I would argue it's becoming even more relevant today than it has been because we are now reaching a generation of unchurched people, which has not happened in the history of America. 
it's actually a fascinating time for us to really think about evangelism because we're going into uncharted territory. And there's an excitement. Yeah, there's a, a nervousness and anxiety about it, a difficulty about it, but an excitement about people just don't want to hear that anymore. I would say on the contrary, we're going to have a bunch of people that go, who's Jesus? What is that? Yeah, we're hitting, right now we're hitting in the middle time where they still know it and it's kind of to the negative side of it, sure. It's not going to be long before people don't know the name of Christ and the excuse of they just don't want to hear it is not true. Which is why ad campaigns like this, he gets us, it can be so dangerous, especially 20 years down the road, because this is the picture of Jesus that they're introducing. Let's say you've never heard of Jesus. If that's all you're getting, if that's the only picture of Jesus that you're getting, that's a problem, which is why, again, to this point, we have to go out and paint the picture of Jesus that God's Word paints. Here's another one, though, in addition to the people don't care anymore. This is one that, that you'll hear often. Well, that's not really my gift. You know, evangelism, that's just – I have the gift of encouragement. We've talked about that before. That seems to, that seems to be everybody's spiritual gift. Nobody has evangelism. Everybody has encouragement. But you hear that a lot. You know, that's just, I'm not really good talking to people. And that that's, the minister can take care of that. The missionaries, you know, it's just not my gift. I, I, I can do other things, just not my gift. What would you guys say to somebody who, who makes that claim? I mean, the obvious, and maybe I, I shouldn't have asked and then given the obvious answer, but maybe you guys can, can shed some different light on it. Jesus didn't just give the Great Commission to ministers. He didn't just give the Great Commission to elders or to missionaries. He said, go and make disciples, and it was to his 12 men, or 11, or however many were there at the time, who went on and turned the world upside down in the book of Acts. It wasn't something that Jesus said, all right, for this specialized group of people, you evangelize and nobody else needs to know. The Great Commission to make disciples is given to everybody. But what, what else would you guys have to say if you came across somebody who said, yeah, that's just not really my gift? I would agree with those who say that there is a gift of evangelism. Some people are better at it. I mean, the introvert-extrovert thing is a real thing that factors into this as well. There's people I, I spend time around, you know, family members and stuff who, I mean, can just walk up to a stranger and have a 30-minute conversation. And I look at that and go, how did you just do that? You, that you have a superpower. Like, I don't, I couldn't do that. And so I think there are people more suited to it. But the idea that that gives everyone else an excuse is ridiculous. Uh, I, I had a member tell me that one time. Well, it's just not my thing, and so I don't want to do it. Like, that's not the point. You're surrounded by lost people. Figure out how to do it. Because the other thing is, then you're in Moses' terry, territory. Well, I, I'm not good at speaking, Lord. What does God tell Moses there? I made your tongue. I'll figure that part out. You just go do it. You know, just go try. And, and I'll handle the rest of it. And, and so it really is kind of a lack of faith when you say that. It's not my gift. I'm not going to be good at it, so I don't want to try. Have the faith to just say, you know what, God wants it done. It's really not going to be in me, my talent, that gets it done. I'm just going to try. Well, I'd say you do have a gift, the gift of the Holy Spirit, you know, that which is, that's sufficient. When you see, Isaiah 6 is one of my favorite passages in the Bible. And I'm going back, I guess, to the, to the prophets again. But Isaiah 6 is fascinating because Isaiah goes up to heaven, right? And you can tell he's terrified. He's He is not the guy for God, clearly. He's not the guy. And God's like, yeah, I think otherwise. And he touches the coal to Isaiah's lips. And it was like, here am I, send me. I'm ready to go. And that's what sanctification does. That's what being made holy does. It's, it's a cleansing process. And it ought to embolden us to say, yeah, you bet. God, you're calling on me to go tell people about what's been done in my life? Yes, I will. I was just looking at Psalm 40. I uh, did a little Devo on Psalm 40. And how one part of Psalm 40 is is him talking about all the good things that God's done in his life, but he's basically like, I got to get it out. I got to go proclaim it to somebody because of the goodness of God. 
So when people say that, you know, this it's not my gift, like, but you have been given a gift of the Holy Spirit, and that's enough to be telling people about. I realize you may not have the gift of gab, where you can go and just talk to anybody, any stranger, but you have an unbelievable, you've been given an unbelievable gift. If somebody gave you your favorite gift, um, you know, let's say your parents gifted you a Ferrari for your 16th birthday, you don't think you're going to go tell somebody about that? You don't think you're probably going to want to, you know, go show that thing off and drive down the road? Like, to me, that's the way I visualize that is, okay, you don't have the gift of speaking to people, but you can talk about something you're passionate about. Everybody has the ability to do that. I was going to say, do you think a lot of this has to do with the way that people view the concept of evangelism? Like the fact that they view it as somebody getting up and preaching or somebody going on a mission trip or somebody, you know, teaching a class of 10 people, you know, they think, well, man, I don't like to be in front of people or because the other thing you'll hear a lot is what if they what if they ask a question I don't know? You know, there's this impression that you have to have all the right answers. And so I think that the concept of evangelism is something that needs to be revisited a bit, because I do think that a lot of people can get in their head about, well, I got to be up in front of people and I got to have all the answers to every single question. And look, sitting down for a Bible study and being and having the Bible knowledge to answer somebody's question about salvation is important. Don't mishear me at the same time. Kind of what we're getting at here is, are you living your life in such a way that you are looking for and actively taking opportunities to simply share the the message of the gospel with somebody to to get that conversation started not to not to go completely and 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 do every single thing and have the bible study and all that that stuff needs to happen but what about the first step again as we talked about to start the episode are you actively looking for opportunities to let your light shine and to 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 do the things to to put yourself in positions to even mention Jesus or to ask that question uh to again as Jack started the episode talking about get past the surface level are you even doing that that stuff has to come before the sitting down with them in front of a bible and having the the tough questions answered etc well Paul That's said kind of my Oh, go ahead, Joe. Go ahead. I was just going to say, Paul said, you know, I planted Apollos water, God gave the increase. Paul didn't always get everybody from step A to step Z, as you're talking, Will. Like, sometimes our role is not to take them the entire way, but it's to get them in more capable hands or to get them to the next person who's going to water. So I think that's a great point. Jack? Yeah, so the third excuse here, people don't care anymore. It's not my gift. We're kind of on to this third one. Don't I don't know what to say. I mean, study more, but I think there's two things I want to emphasize. One, that we've kind of downplayed in the Churches of Christ that others in in other groups are bigger on is your personal testimony. You've got, you know what happened to you. You know how you became a Christian. Tell your own story, and and you knew the process. You know, the hear, believe, repent, confess, be baptized. You follow that, so you know that much at least, but also your own life story. You know what? I struggled with this, or I... Never this. I was a, the good church kid who realized, you know what? I can't save myself. I'm not good enough. I, Joe, you've shared with, you know, evangelized with hockey friends growing up where in telling your story, you know, they're all like, oh, you're just, you're perfect Joe, the, the church kid. And when you tell them, no, I was sinful and in need of a savior too. You can just kind of see they're like, wait, really? Like, so your own personal testimony, because I, I love the guy in uh, John 9, where they're like, hey, the guy who healed you, he was a sinner, right? He's he's not really a prophet. You know, they're trying to get him to tattletale on Jesus or whatever. And he finally, he, he's trying to push back on him, trying to push back. And finally, he just says, look, I don't know. All I know is I used to be blind and now I can see. So you tell me. I mean, like, it's so great of like, that's my testimony. So well, talking about number the, one, number two. I was oh, sorry, ahead. real quick. Tell them why you're a Christian, not just how you became a Christian, but tell them why, because 
you don't you never want to treat it like this is a, a business deal that you're trying to sell or, or a marketing you know deal or anything like that. We've talked about the problems there, but at some point people are going to wonder, okay, what 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 reason do I have to be like you? What reason right. do I have to join your faith or to join the lifestyle that you have? You got to give me something. And if all we're giving them is the how, I think a lot of this needs to be the why. Why do you choose to to go to the church building four times a week? Why do you choose to start every day in scripture? Why do you choose to not cuss and to not go to those movies? Why? What's the why behind it? And so that's something that I always try to stress with young people is like, look, if you can't answer the why, you're never going to be able to get anybody else into you know you're never going to be able to evangelize anybody else because you don't know why you're a Christian and so that would be another thing that I would encourage everybody to kind of have that answer for and to have as a part of that personal testimony is what what reason does somebody else have to join your faith if you got to have the answer to that yeah yeah that gets at something I wrote in church reset is there's a big difference between come to my church you'll like it and let me tell you about Jesus. And your personal testimony is such a big part of that, of here's what he's done in my life and why I need him. And so the testimony part is a great uh, a great counter to the excuse of I don't know what to say. You know your own story. Number two, just invite him. I mean, you think about, you know, in John 1, Philip and Nathaniel and the invitation. Well, come and see. Just come and see. And John uses that terminology three or four times. Come and see. Sometimes that's all you got to do. You know how many, like, Gospel preachers who baptized hundreds or baptized thousands, their story starts with somebody inviting their mom and dad to church. You know, I mean, there's just things like that where somebody just said, hey, come along. You come with me. Uh, Andrew, Andrew goes and gets Peter and says, we found the Messiah. Come on, come and see. Well, look what Peter did for the church, all because Andrew gave him that invitation. Maybe that's who you are. Maybe you're not going to expound the whole gospel to somebody. And so that excuse of I don't know what to say, you can say, hey, just just come and see. Come to church with me. Would you, you know, come hang out with me? Would you come? Whatever it is, it, it, that's just not an excuse of I don't know what to say. You don't have to know that much. And I quoted Spurgeon earlier. This kind of goes on with that one earlier about, you know, making people crawl to hell over us. This one he said as well. We must school and train ourselves to deal personally with the unconverted. We must not excuse ourselves, but force ourselves to the irksome task until it becomes easy. He called it an irksome task. He acknowledged this is really hard, and it's easy to make excuse. It's so important we can't make excuses. We cannot tolerate that from ourselves. You just got to force yourself to do it. And so we're going to get to the other side. We've, we've done why it's hard, why or how we excuse ourselves sometimes. Uh, anything else before we get to the practical and get to, towards our challenge here at the end? I want to get right, us Joe, into... Go ahead and, oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah I've... The next one, the next part we want to get to is how do we get there? How do we make the jump to making this something that's more uh, a part of our lives? And the first thing that we've got here on our outline is remember the stakes. There's a song that I think, uh, a church hymn, I think I've only heard it sang maybe twice. Uh, I referenced it in a sermon I did a year or two ago. Um, and maybe it's sung more widely other places, but it's called You Never Mentioned Him to Me. And I encourage you, if you've never heard that song Go look up the lyrics. I've got, I've got it in front of me. I want to read uh, at least the first verse in the chorus. It's called, You Never Mentioned Him to Me. And it says, When in the better land before the bar we stand, how deeply grieved our souls will be. If any lost one there should cry in deep despair, you never mentioned him to me. You never mentioned him to me. You helped me not the way to see. You met me day by day and knew I was astray, yet never mentioned him to me. Of course, it goes on, but you kind of get the picture that that is a very eerie song to be singing in church. It's a very sobering thought to think that 
you might come into contact or run across a soul uh, on Judgment Day that's going to say, you, you never mentioned them to me. We, we, we interacted every single day. We, we, you were, we worked together. I, I was at your family reunions. You never mentioned this stuff. How could you not do that? And so anytime we talk about the stakes or talk about how important of a job this is, my mind always goes to this song because it, 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 it brings up the fact that you, you interact with people so often throughout the day. And, and how many days do you let slip by without even mentioning Christ, without even mentioning his name, without even mentioning, as Jack talked about, what he's done for your life. And so when we're on this point, remembering the stakes, that's something that I encourage everybody to think about is what chances are you taking to open up that door? Because again, you, you sing that song, you read those lyrics. It's, it's chilling. It, it's eerie and sobering to think about. I want to get into number two on the, you know, how do we get there? I, I think that's exactly it. First, we have to remember the stakes without that you're never going to do the rest of these if you don't see the overwhelming need for it. So I think that's such a good point and powerful point. Well, I've only sung that, like you said, maybe once or twice, but it's such a powerful song. But the second thing of how we get there is remembering that practice makes perfect. There's the old Dwight L. Moody um, quote, I like my way of doing it better than your way of not doing it. And that's so true. Like, just go out and do it. Practice makes perfect on everything. And you consider, I work with clients on all sorts of anxieties and one of the things we talk about is in vivo exposure or exposure therapy, you'll hear people talk about. That's the idea of if you're scared of heights, take a, you know, take a step, one step up on the stairs, and then you kind of move your way up and you slowly expose yourself to these things. And you know what? There's an aspect of it that does work. Um, this is one of those. Yeah, there's a lot of fear in going and, and talking with people. But you know what? Practice makes perfect. The more you do this, the more comfortable you get. Start on, I don't know, whatever you find to be easiest, I guess. If you find those that you're closest to, telling them about, you know, you're telling about Christ or even those you're not closest to, just get started talking to somebody and then you can hone your craft. What worked? What didn't work? What did they, what got this person interested? I find that the personal anecdotes, the personal stories, the personal testimonies Jack talked about, I find that to be, and I'm not great at doing this at all, but that is such a great way of opening the door with people that, you know, you look for opportunities to be able to share a little bit about yourself and you learn a little bit about them, right? Um, but practice makes perfect. And if you practice talking spiritual matters with other Christians, you're probably going to get, you're probably going to be a lot better at doing that with non-Christians. If you show up to church and you only want to talk about the weather, you only want to talk about the Super Bowl and sports or whatever else, and you never talk about spiritual matters, what are the odds that you're going to go out into the world and, do, and then talk about spiritual matters to people who don't care? If you can't do it to people who care, you're not going to do it to people who don't care. Allegedly don't care, right? The people that don't know that they should care. So practice at, at church talking about those things. Practice with your spouse. Practice with other people, your, your brothers and sisters in Christ, maybe your, your family, um, biological family. Get good at honing your craft and how you might talk about these things and make it a part of your life. I think that's one of the easiest ways of how we get there is to make it a part of your life, which I think we'll get to on a different one. But that would be number two. Remember the stakes, number one. Practice makes perfect, number two. Jack? The thing about practice makes perfect is, number three here, is embrace the opportunity to grow because you're going to grow through this effort. You're going to grow in your attempts and your failings uh, in that practice where you're making perfect because... I, this isn't just evangelism. This is a lot of things. We are under this delusion that we can compile all the knowledge and go out on day one and be perfect. 
of, you know, if, just, if I read the right book, if I get the right strategy, if I get everything, if I just do enough research, I can be great at it. You can't. You need to go out there and, you know, put your feet on the ground and get to work. I mean, we talk about like uh, gym stuff, right? You know, working out. And man, if you developed and you researched the perfect workout plan, this is the cardio I'm going to do. And it, man, if I do it for this many minutes at this heart rate, uh, you know, I'm going to burn this many calories. And if I lift this way and I do this, you know, upper body program, lower body program, all this stuff, and you, you spend months researching this, who cares? What if you had gone to the gym on day one? And figured out, okay, I can do this. I don't do that very well. You know, let's. I gotta work on this. Gotta work on that. Three months later, what would the results be versus all that research? So sometimes when we're looking at evangelism, that practice makes perfect is you don't need another strategy. You don't need another book. You don't need another class. We need to just go do it and trial and error. Okay, that didn't work. That opening line, that that person just was not open to that. You know what? That This was not the time to bring it up or whatever it is. How are you going to know until you do it? And I find that the more I do it, the more comfortable I am. The more times I bring it up in conversation, I you know, I bring it up and then I walk away going, wow, that was awkward. I, I could have handled that better. And I take notes from what I learned. And so this is an opportunity to grow. Embrace that opportunity to grow because it draws you closer to God. You realize I need a lot of help in this. I need to pray more. And that's, I think our last one here is just pray. Just pray more. Pray for the opportunity. Pray for the 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 ability. Pray for, just pray for souls because that's what it's about. It's not about me. And I think that's one of the biggest things that gets us out of this, that, that helps us grow is realizing this is not about me. This is about God it's about pointing people to Jesus. It's about the souls of the people around me. And so I got to get out of my own way. And, and if just they go reject, it. if and they so, reject it, they're rejecting God, not you. We have to remember right. that. That yeah, right. they may dislike you, but they're rejecting God first and foremost, which is very sad, but wow, they rejected me, therefore I'm not going to do it again. No, they rejected the message. That means we need to try all the harder to, you know, try with the next one even more and to continue to allow them Give them the opportunity, as Will pointed out. We don't want that song to be sung about us. It's really what it is. Right. Well, I mean, Jesus said, they hate me, they're going to hate you. You can't avoid that. The only way you can avoid that is by not telling them, and that's not any good. And so expect rejection, expect to be shut down, expect some people to get mad at you, and then move on. Expect success at some point as well. I mean, you think of the parable of the sower. Most of the seed did not fall on fertile soil. That's okay. That didn't mean he just went home and stopped throwing it. Right. Right. So let's talk about methods here. Um, and that sort of, I guess, all ties together here. But as far as like practical do's and don'ts here, one of the things, I guess the first thing that we've got here that we want to talk about is it ties into the last one. And that is when you come across somebody who you are hoping to, to reach with the gospel, maybe a good first step is simply to offer to pray for them. I've seen it done. And again, it's it's very awkward at times and can make us uncomfortable. But I think it's really cool how you'll go out to eat to a restaurant You'll get the waiter, the waitress's name, and, and when, it's time, when the time comes for you to say the prayer, you know, when they're by refilling your drinks or whatever, you ask them, hey, we're about to say a prayer. Is there anything we can pray for you for? And you just think about if that person is, you know, does not go to church or that person does not have a religious background. Think about how, first of all, how off guard that question is going to catch them. But then, then again, what kind of impact you could have. And I've seen it where... The waiter or waitress says, you know what, I've, I've had a really tough week for X, Y, Z reason. Could you pray for this? And, you know, does that always lead to a, to a Bible study and a baptism? No, it doesn't. But are you planting seeds, as Jack just talked about? Yeah, you sure are. You've got to, you, you're there with your family or you're there with some other Christians, and they, they hear you ask the question, 
how can I pray for you? I'm, I'm, I'm legitimately concerned about you. You're not just another face. You're not just another person that's, that's filling my water glass. You're a person that I actually care about. Man, that can that can have some impact. Man, that can that can do some good for them to, to again just to plant the seed. You may never see them again. They may never see you again. But you have no idea what what that can do for somebody to plant that seed. There's a great uh, preacher in in Denver, outside Denver in Aurora, uh, Jerry Groves. I graduated. He graduated Bear Valley just before me. Great guy. I may have mentioned him here on the podcast before, but he had what I would consider to be one of the most successful door knocking campaigns that I've heard. And what it was was he'd go and and I've heard this happen before, but he was so effective at it. He'd go and he'd just say, what can I pray? How can I pray for you? You know, what, what do you need prayers for? And that was it. And if they asked for more information, obviously he'd tell them. But, you know, what can I pray for you for? People would break down. They'd tell them their life story. They would, I'm so grateful, you know, this is going on in my life. And I've just really been thinking about maybe I need to get back to church. I mean, he had a few that were very moved by that. And I thought, that's brilliant. It wasn't, here's a track. Yeah, no thanks. Shut the door. It caught a lot of people off guard, and you realize there's a lot of people carrying a lot of burdens. When we offer to give them that that line to God, and here's the other thing, and whether we like it or not, whether it makes you uncomfortable or not, when you're a church member and you're offering to pray, people have some weirdness with spirituality. I've had people at hockey, Joe, can you pray for me? I know you're closer to God. Like, I guess that's how that works, effective prayer of a righteous man. I don't know, but either way, people get kind of weird about it, and they say, well, yeah, you're you're a spiritual person. Can you please pray for me? Take that opportunity and then get up there and let God know exactly exactly what's going on. You know, you give them, and it doesn't have to be a performative prayer or anything, but just show them the depth of your relationship with God and you'll get comments on that. And it's like, wow, thank you. And that's when you get, you hook them, right? Now you're in their life a little bit. You know something about them because they told you. So I think this first suggestion, offering to pray for them, they may slam the door in your face. They may say, yeah, no thanks, I'm good. They may be weirded out. That's okay. Because all you're looking for is that one who goes, you know what, I'm going through a really tough time right now. My wife and I are in the middle of a divorce and I could really use your prayers. You go, yeah, what's your name? Yeah, Steve, okay. Yeah, Steve, let, let's uh, you, you put your arm around him. Let me pray for you real fast. And then you offer the prayer up to God. People are moved in that situation. I've had this opportunity before. People start crying, not from the greatness of my prayer, but from the movement of that moment. That's where you're really connecting there. So offer to pray for them. It's a great, a great first step if you're kind of worried about it. Well, and you, there might be those that think, well, no, you got to lead with the gospel. you got to lead with heaven and hell, salvation, whatever else. Think about how many times a healing opened the door to preaching the gospel in, in the gospels and in Acts of here, let me take care of this problem for you. Now, let me tell you about Jesus. Let me tell you about the, the good news of the kingdom. And so I think there's validity to that. But the real key to that, if even if we don't have the opportunity to pray for somebody, get in the habit of paying attention to people, asking them about themselves, letting them talk, because... Man, we all like talking. We all like sharing our own stories. I think we've talked before about like, man, it's just easy to say, yeah, well, this happened to me, and or here's how I relate to that with a story about myself. Be an interviewer of people because we read all these things, these headlines about the loneliness epidemic, right? How many people are so lonely? And it's true. And then uh, those of us who go to church will say things like, man, I don't know what people would do without a church family. Well, we're surrounded by them. They're, they are that lonely. They are that in need. And anybody who shows them any attention has their ear. You know, as somebody, they, they realize, man, you care about me. I don't, because as you said, everyone's bearing burdens and they don't have anybody to talk to. That's really hard. And so being the kind of person who, who is full of that love of God, who they look at as somebody as, man, 
this person cares about me. That's all I know is that they care and, and just being that person. And man, it's one of those things I've, I've got to work on. There's uh, a family at church. Uh, we all go to church with them. Just great folks. They had a funeral in the family. I popped over for a quick visit and I walked out back to my car after 10 or 15 minutes of just chatting with them in their kitchen. And I was mad at myself. I'm like, wait a minute. I came over, you know, to check on them. And we just spent the whole time talking about me because they're that sweet of people. They are that, well, how about this? How's this going in your life? How's it like they, they were, they knew stuff about me. They had kept up, like kept track. Like they remembered, Hey, Jack has this going on. Let me ask him about that. I'm like, wait a minute. I was here to visit them. And I'm walking out going, man, what a, what a chump I am that I like didn't ask them about themselves. But man, they exemplified that perfect character we're talking about of invest in people, know about people, listen to people. And it just makes people feel special. It makes them feel loved. And that's one of the doors opener to evangelism. So here's a question that I want to ask. Go ahead. No, I was just, I was going to point to you. You have a really interesting question here. I think we need to, to toss around a little bit. Yeah. And we're about to get to our challenge and and wrap the episode, but this is a question that I've often struggled with um, because it's one of those things, Jack, you bring up the ditch analogy, right? You can go too far in one ditch. You can go too far in the other ditch. You got to stay down the main road here. Um, but I guess my question is, in y'all's experience, which side do you lean more towards? I guess is the best way to ask this question. And the two sides are, when it comes to evangelism, do you lean more in the side of what is commonly referred to as friendship evangelism, which I'll explain in a second, or more so do you lean on the side of, there's not really a name for it, but you, you got to be frank. you got to be blunt with them, right, about, you know, hey, you know, maybe not say you're going to hell, but look, this is a big deal. we got to talk about heaven and hell early on, right? The idea with friendship evangelism, uh, for, to the best of my knowledge, is that you really take the time to invest and get to and get to know them and have a relationship with them. You don't even bring up the gospel. Don't even bring up church. Don't even bring up Christ. You really just spend a lot of time getting to know them. And then after you've really established that relationship is when you can begin slowly bringing in the gospel and bringing in Christ because you don't want to overwhelm them um, versus, again, the other side, which is – you know, pretty well right off the bat, you're talking about important things. You're talking about, hey, where are you going to go when you die? You know, where where does your hope lie, right? Like big questions like that right off. So I wanted to get your guys' thoughts on that because the dangers that I've seen with friendship evangelism is that, man, that building the relationship process can take months on end. And, and it, it's one of those things that the urgency almost goes away about the fact that, Look, this person's soul is in jeopardy. But then again, the, the danger with the other side is, look, you could drive them away like that, like super quick if you just go you know, like a pit bull uh, on them about their salvation. And so, again, the, the two ditches here, which, which side do you guys lean more towards from a scriptural perspective? Because you've already brought up Jesus was not afraid to say blunt truths. We know that. But Jesus also established close relationships. So what, what would you guys say? I think. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care, in my opinion. Um, I think the it's but it's the friendship. The way I look at it is when you're living, when you're led by the Spirit and you're living out your Christianity, you exude Christ, and it will draw the right people. And when you're friends with people that are unchurched and people that don't understand the gospel, that stands out quite a bit. Is it friendship evangelism? You know, when do you get around to talking about Christ? Like I'm always talking about him. That's that's the goal. That's the ideal, right? There's never a time where I'm not mentioning him or praying in public or... It's literally a part of your personality. It's a part of who character. I am. And if they're yeah. going to accept me as a friend, they're going to have to realize that's that's who I am. I am a man for Christ. 
And I think that allows, it opens the door that if they are comfortable with that, it, it very much opens the door for me being more blunt and straightforward because they know that's that's who I am and that I love them, but that's who I am through and through. If I kind of soft pedal it and come on the back end of like, oh, by the way, I go to church too. No, you've lost it. You've lost it because you won them on your niceness, not on being Christ, you know, being Christ-like. So in my opinion, that's how I look at it is if you live like Christ and they're still your friend, you now have license to share what you need to share because they they ought to expect what's coming, in my opinion. And I'm not good at this, but that's the ideal. Jack, what are your thoughts? Yeah, you kind of got at this. One of the challenges of the friendship evangelism thing I've always felt bad about is it can be very bait and switch. And we've got this time where, where people are always trying to sell you something. They're trying to self-promote, try and get more followers, trying to whatever it is. And so every relationship is you're just kind of waiting for the hammer to drop. Of what are they going to pitch me? What are they going to sell me? And with when they're friends with Christians and, hey, we're cool, let's hang out, let's hang out. Oh, you, you want to come to my church? And they feel like that's the only reason you invested in them. It wouldn't feel good. And so I like I think what you're saying about that honesty and upfrontness one of the other things you see in the Bible is you don't see them developing month, month, month long relationships before getting to right. the gospel. Somebody, yeah. you know, I, we brought up Jesus and the woman at the well. You think of you know Paul and Peter and and the things in Acts, those missionary journeys and encounters and things like that. And it's uh, I, there's I an urgency don't... there. Again, I, I hate to use that word again. But right. There's an urgency there with Philip and the eunuch and with Paul and the Philippian jailer that. You know, you don't necessarily see, like you're saying, this this build up and build up of a relationship. It's yes, they they exude that they care about them as a person, but also there's important stuff we got to discuss here. The, the, your your soul is on the line, and you know. So, I, sorry to cut you off, but that urgency is so key to me as you study the New Testament. And so, again, it's one of those things that you really can just drive people away with with the way that you maybe your brashness or the, your abrasiveness if you go too far in the well, I'm just gonna be really blunt with you and just tell you like it is tell you how it is but then again like you're saying Jack I think that the, it might be even more dangerous to go the other direction which is well let me just put it off and yeah we'll we'll we'll, we'll be friends for four or five six seven eight nine ten months before we ever really get to the serious stuff um, but anything else that you guys have to add as far as that dilemma well, I'd put to that, we can also be, we need to be careful about buying into what we called on a, a recent Think Fast, the myth of the hateful Christian, that I've got to show the world that Christians are loving. Man, they think Christians are so hateful. Don't worry about that. Don't worry about what they think. You know, like, there, there's a reason we called it a myth, is it's very overblown, but really more than anything, what they don't need is to see somebody pandering and tiptoeing around them. They need the truth. What they don't have in this society is anybody who will tell them, here's what the truth is. Here's what God expects from you in your life. And so, especially throughout the Bible, we've talked about the prophets, we've talked about the apostles, those times where they lived in a culture that was very anti-truth, very anti-God, the best thing you can offer somebody in a very confused time is the anchor of truth. It's just to say, here's the truth as it is. Now, we live in the Bible Belt. We're surrounded by people who think themselves religious, even if they don't go to church that much. And so that's a, a little bit harder thing because sometimes you open that up and say, well, here's Jesus, and they go, yeah, I know, I've got that. That's where sometimes over the course of the relationship, and, and with any relationship, an atheist or whoever else, you're going to have to, you don't expect that instant success. But on the other hand, you know, you get to know somebody, you get to the point where you can have a conversation with them, 
look for that open door and don't expect the open door to take six months to develop. It might show up sooner than you think because I think that's the other downside of friendship evangelism is you get to thinking, I can't talk about this until I've proven my caring credentials. No, that's that's how you care is because you really do think they're lost. And so um, I, I think the more you get the opportunity up front, take it. I think this is going to take us into our challenge. The one thing I was going to say, I preached on this yesterday, actually, evangelism from Jesus with the woman at the well. One of the one of my first points is he went where the sinners were. He didn't pass around Samaria like he could have, right? He, he actually went through Samaria. Most Jewish men at the time passed around it because they didn't want to deal with him, and he went right to the source and then to a woman as well. Um, and I got to thinking about this in my own life. How often am I around people? It's great to talk a, a good game, but... I spend so much time around either church folks or or you guys, you know, or family or people that aren't really unchurched or or those that are lost. I don't spend that much time around them. And so that's something that I think the other part of this is we're talking about praying for them and make sure that you're paying attention to people, that you're either choosing the friendship evangelism versus frankness, trying to find the right balance there, living Christ and exuding that. When we look at all of that, that's great. If you're not around them, that's not going to help as much. And so, Jack, go ahead. This was your your idea. You're the one that put us on the idea of evangelism, uh, which is, again, a necessary, they're all necessary, but a necessary episode. Technically, technically, it was Jesus first. But I, well, I guess so, yeah. So, I'll, I'll give Jack the credit, <laughs> right. but yeah. yeah I, came, I came up with this new thing called evangelism. Yeah. No, I have a great commission for you guys to go out there. Yeah. Um, exactly. But yeah, get us into the yeah. challenge. This was interesting to me because I don't think you had had showed this to us before. You had mentioned it, but I think this is interesting. You pre- you previewed at the beginning. I was going to say this is ultimately the takeaway we want you guys to Correct. have in this episode. We talked for a while. This is important stuff, but this right here is what we want you to take away from it. Right, as we said at the top, like we didn't want to come on and be like we're the experts of evangelism. We don't do it well. At I'm all. not good like, at it. And, no. and, and we feel really bad about it because of all the things we've just talked about, how important it is, those quotes about just people are going to hell and we we got to do something about this, but we don't have, you know, seats, you know, pews full of people to show for it of here's the work we've put in and, and people we've brought to Christ and all that. I mean, there's, there's little successes here and there, but the, the consistent habit is something we've lacked. And so I was kind of brainstorming, how do we talk about evangelism when we don't do it, when we're not good at it? Well, this is how we talk about it, is let's get good at it. If Because I guarantee, we've got a decent amount of listeners at this point. I guarantee among that amount of listeners, there are a bunch of people resonating with everything we said. Of Like, man, I know I'm supposed to and I don't. What do I do about it? This is for you guys. This is for us. It's the challenge. from the For the next 30 days, but we're trying to create a habit that continues. But This is a 30-day challenge we're going to start with. Write down at least three prospects, three names, people you can think of in your life, in your community, in your workplace, whatever it is, who you want to see come to Christ. Um, Whether it's inviting them to church, whether it's offering them a Bible study, whether it's talking Jesus with them, whatever else, you don't have to have all that figured out right now exactly, but write down the three names. Write them on your phone, make a note, whatever. Um, Put those down. That's where you're going to start because if you don't, if you just go out there and think, well, I'll talk, you need to be able to talk to anybody, but it's easier when we already have people we know. And there's, I guarantee people in your life, I've got people, I've got at least two of the names, three of the names, well, yeah, I've got a list of three right now off the top of my head of people I've dealt with, people I want to see come around but aren't. And so write them down and start praying for them consistently. Who wants to jump in on number two here? Yeah, the other thing I would, I would, we were encouraging you to write down 
is write down three places that you can find these said prospects. Uh, to Joe's point, a lot of us can get so in our routine and so in our, you know, the daily habits and things that we have to get done that we don't really come into contact with a lot of people that would even be prospects to, to spread the gospel. Uh, and so a lot of that is, you know, there's there's the big thing about when Jesus said go into all the world, he was really saying as you are going or whatever it is. The point being, we still are to go to some extent, right? And so that would be the next piece of this is not just write down three prospects, write down three places that you can find more prospects. Ideally, these are places that maybe you don't frequent a lot. Maybe you're, again, uncomfortable. You're getting out of your comfort zone here. But places that, and no, we're not talking about strip clubs here. We're not talking about bars. We're not talking about, you know, that type of thing. Um, but what we're talking about is places that, again, that are going to get you outside of your comfort zone, that are going to bring you into contact with people that you know might be hostile to the church or might just be unchurched in general. Uh, again, just writing that down, just getting into the habit of thinking, where might I meet somebody? Maybe it's a coffee shop. Maybe it's uh, uh, people don't go to libraries anymore. I almost said the library. You know, places you know, like that, that that are community type of places where you can meet people who, again, might have any kind of religious background in the world or no religious background, uh, but that would be the next piece of this. So think about three prospects and then think about three places that you can meet those prospects. This doesn't have to be fancy either. One of the best evangelists I knew would would bring people into the kingdom to you know, he'd get them into studies and baptisms by going to the grocery store at the same time every week or multiple times a week when the same people would be on the shift and going through the same line. Just talking with them, getting to know them, building that that rapport, and then asking them about Jesus, asking them what they knew, asking, and so keep it simple. But think of where am I encountering people, and how can I become a regular in their lives, and things like that. Well, Jack, so, you and right. I'm gonna, oh, sorry. Go I was going to get us in the last one, uh, but one of the things I loved you had Latham Bakery in Forney when you were there, and you showed up. I mean, multiple times a week where everybody knew you and you knew everybody's name. And I've mentioned this on the podcast before, but it's a consistency. Like that's fun. Go grab a, I don't think you were doing it because you were losing all your weight, but go grab a cookie, get yourself a cup of coffee, you know, sit down, notice who you're around, strike up a conversation with the workers there, with somebody who's sitting nearby you, go to Denny's, go to Waffle House, go to McDonald's, go to other places. Like if you got your spot that you're always sitting in at the same time, the consistency to show up in somebody's life, it doesn't have to be consistently showing up to the hospital and making sure you're there. It could be as simple as showing up and seeing the person at the checkout line. I think that's a great point consistently do it but the third part so we got 30 days and for 30 days write down at least three prospects write down at least three places you can find more prospects and the last part is pray and please don't miss this because it's cliche pray we've mentioned this before already in this podcast but we're going to say it again pray for your prospects by name the three that you have hopefully you have more but start with three right the prospects by name Pray for opportunities to speak and for the boldness to take those opportunities. I always pray for the opportunities and for wisdom to recognize the opportunities, right? So that you get the spirit's nudge of like, hey, you need to go talk to this person. You need to say something to this person. So pray for those opportunities. Pray for wisdom. Pray for boldness. And pray for everybody who's participating. We hope that this has at least, you know, a few of us, a few dozen or whatever that are that are going to participate with our listener count. I would hope it's higher than that. But... Um, we really want people to engage with this and be praying for everybody who's engaged. You don't know who that's going to be. We don't either. We're going to be praying for you guys along the way, and I hope you pray for us. Um, so that's that's the challenge. Fellas, anything you'd add to that? I don't think so. Pray hard. I, I really, you know, it's one of those you sow in faith and then reap, you know, go out and try and uh, see what you find. 
I think some cool stuff could come from this. Again, if if we just get people to do it for 30 days and, and they make contacts and all that and, and maybe somebody comes their way, that's great. If we get a few people, if we get one person, if we get the three of us, if, if nobody listening even engages, but if the three of us develop better habits of evangelism, it's worth it if, if one of us does. And so, I mean, we just need as many people taking this kind of thing on as possible. And again, this does not come from a place of us lecturing anybody. This comes from a place of... Yeah, we all know it's hard. Let's do this together. Let's push each other. Let's challenge each other. And so uh, that was the idea behind this. Uh, anything we need to close on? As always, check us out Thursday nights on Facebook, Think Fast, or on our YouTube uh, channel anytime after that. Gym, podcast, everything else we got going. And uh, get to praying. Get to, to writing down your list. Getting down uh, your, your locations where you're going to start looking. And uh, let, let's see what God can do with this. All right, we'll talk to you guys next week. Thank you.